from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerials podcast. Before we get started, go to the show notes to sign up for Aerial Rehab. <laughs> Bean is coming. The three-part uh, video series, it's coming at you this week. So it, last chance to get in, go to the show notes, sign up there. And for the mini course and the flagship course on my website. All right, today is an aerial roundup. This I'm calling... Bean, this I'm calling uh, advanced aerial hobbyist. These are my two students, Lonnie Silver and uh, Aaron Shapiro. They've been my students for many years and uh, they have regular jobs, regular lives, and they have an aerial lifestyle as well. Let's get started. Uh, okay, podcast listeners, I've decided that I'm going to bring on some of my longest, uh, what do we call you? Longest students? training students. I don't know how I put it, but uh, you guys will just uh, tell us your name, where you're from, what you do for a living, when you started Ariel, how long you've been doing it. My name is Lonnie and um, I'm from Los Angeles. I've always been here and um, I work at Sony Pictures in the digital distribution industry. I'm also an actress and I sort of just, I found you through someone else who was like, I know someone who's just opening up her own aerial classes. And I I think, Kara, it was literally when you first Mm -hmm. started teaching after your last injury. Yeah, it's been like almost 10 years because I think I I took a few classes and then I kind of kept going. And then you had like three months on tour in the beginning of 2013. Um, I think you were gone for like two months and you came back in May. And then once you came back in May, then it was like hit the ground running. And I just kind of haven't stopped since. So uh, 10 year aerial practice and mostly silks. Lonnie does not really make friends with the other apparatuses so much. <laughs> I'll get on the hammock in a span set, you know, I'll, I'll embrace that, but I have, I want no part of Alira. Got it. Erin. Uh, and you, name, where you're from, what you do for a living, when you started, how long you've been going. Uh, I'm Erin, and I was born and raised in this area, San Fernando Valley, Valley girl. Um, let's see. So I have been doing aerial for about eight years. I think my son was one when I took my first class, and he's nine now. So I think it's been about eight years. Um, I'm a teacher. Uh, a science teacher for middle and high school. I have no dance or gymnastics background at all. It was sort of like a weird, I don't know, some weird impulsive moment to take a class because it's not like I have any baseline skill at all in any of the things that we do in Ariel. Um, And then just fell in love with it, even though it's challenging and I am not a natural. (laughs) Um, just fell in love with it, obviously, as I've done it for eight years now. So, Erin, uh, was there any point in the eight years that you were like, I don't want to do this anymore, or this is so challenging that? No, I think, I mean, all of us, I can assume at one point or another, like hit a point in our practice where there's stuff that we're working on and it's challenging and you get frustrated. I think, you know, I've seen everybody have those moments where you get like teary and you get mad. 
because there's something that for whatever reason you can't conquer or you're injured and that's getting in your way. Um, but really, once I got into the routine of going on a regular basis, which was pretty quick um, after I took my first class, I was in and I did not think about quitting even when I had my injury almost a year ago the plan was always to come back yeah i had uh erin was on the podcast last year talking about her patellar dislocation so <laughs> i'll uh i'll link that in the show notes so you guys can catch up on that but um lonnie at any point did you feel that way I honestly just thought that it wasn't even attainable like so you know i'd seen soaks and stuff in Cirque du Soleil and i just didn't think regular people who were not pursuing that professionally could even do it. And it was, I also feel like when I started, it was before the aerial boom, like pole had come onto the scene pretty strongly. Um, but aerial silks kind of, I feel like hadn't gotten there yet. So you were one of the few classes that was open to, you know, us commoners really. Um, and commoners. Yeah. Plebeians. I don't know. Aerial plebeians, but yeah, no, at no point did I ever want to stop. Um, and as you know, there's been so many times where my frustration levels at what I couldn't do just, you know, were rough. Um, but usually my thing is I just get mad and I keep going and I'll curse my way through it, but I'm never, I'm, you know, I just, I never wanted to stop. Um, but I think, you know, Ariel, I always say Ariel is the great equalizer because, I just think that I, I, I've done so many different types of physical activity, physical things, and nothing just teaches you more about your body than Ariel does. And uh, give me an example of that. What have you learned about your body? Like you, just, like you just kind of like you just thinks about how my pelvis was working, how my lower back motility was, how holy crap, I actually have incredibly flexible shoulders. Like, you know, I think we all just get into it and we go, wow, I can do this. And I had no idea. Or we get into it and go, I had, I had no idea this arm didn't move this way. This leg is knocked a weird way. Like you just, you just don't go through and discover things about your body like that in everyday life. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been on a dance journey pretty heavily in the last two and a half years as well, which I love and I'm also obsessed with and I sort of love what it's going to, you know, what it brings to Ariel. But Ariel just still like you just learn so much about, I feel like just little intricacies, right? Like how your wrist moves, you know what I mean? As you're as you're grabbing, it's just the craziest thing. Erin, um, what have you learned about your body? As I give you a wink and a nod. As Lonnie was talking, I was thinking about how we joke in class about like, I wouldn't have known that my shoulder blades don't move and that I have terrible hip mobility. Like all of these things that I wouldn't know about myself if I hadn't done aerial. Um, but just it's a whole other level of body awareness and coordination because some of the movements that we do are not, well, a lot of the movements that we do are not everyday movements. So it's not something that you're, that's in your muscle memory already, right? So it takes a lot of concentration to coordinate, you know, the abs with the, you know, with the pelvis, with the hips, with the arms all at the same time and rotate it in the correct position and all of those little nuanced things that go into aerial, um, I think for me, the biggest piece is understanding how 
difficult it is for me to take all the little pieces and put them together. And that's one of the main things that I struggle with because strength I can build and I've worked on that. But that's something that, you know, putting all of those little nuanced pieces together is a challenge. You know? Yeah. It's not simple everyday movements. Yeah, I watched that challenge getting struggled through every single week. It's a great, it's a great journey. Um, okay, so uh, this question's like kind of two in one. So biggest aerial or class pet peeve slash what do you wish students and teachers could do differently? So give us a, what's it called? A review. I would say that, you know, if you're excessively talking or not present um, it, about things that potentially are not aerial or whatnot, anything that could potentially disrupt someone's concentration up there or prevent you from hearing them, that is a big problem. Because at the end of the day, like, and I say this as somebody who has taken a fall, like, you know, it's our ass up there. So, you know, if there are things that you're causing to disrupt that safety, then that is a big problem. You're talking about like anybody in the room. Yeah, anybody in the room, right? I mean, if the student, if the teacher, if people are coming in that, you know, normally aren't there and they cause that, you know, distraction beyond, you know, there's, you know, there's levels to everything, but ultimately it's like, you know, somebody, when you're up there, you've got to make sure that you're feeling good, you're feeling safe, and that if you need anything, somebody's going to hear you, right? And if other people are doing other things or whatnot, um, that doesn't happen. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that. Well, some of the stuff that frustrates me about other classes, so, and again, because we have our little community, like our tight-knit group, we sort of have established these. We like, like you said, Lonnie, like we respect each other and we respect the space and we understand what's needed. But things like someone coming in with their own agenda and sort of like dominating the class and trying to push like what they want to do as opposed to the curriculum is a little frustrating because then you feel like you're trying to pull attention away. Like somebody who dominates your attention as you're trying to teach us and they're sort of taking you over if I'm explaining that right. Um, But the thing that's hard for me with a lot of classes that I've taken, especially early on, was taking a class where it felt like the instructor was like, hmm, what tricks should we do today? And just like pulled something out of a hat. And so some people had the base skills in the room. Other people didn't have the base skills in the room. It didn't feel like you were building. It felt like... I don't know how to describe it, but it felt like playtime. Like, here, go play with this. Not like I'm learning and growing. Whereas how you set up classes, things build on each other. So it feels like you're growing and developing. And it feels safer because when you say, well, you already know this chunk because we've been doing this for months and months, I'm just adding to it. Then I feel more confident, which makes me safer because then I'm not up there second guessing or in my head, I'm just going through the motions that I already know how to do. Tell me a story of when you've gotten epically stuck in the fabric. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I have mine. I'm thinking. I'll go with mine. So I actually have the video. It's like a classic video that I feel like we pass around and post online every few years. Um, 
I had just come back from like a two and a half week trip to Italy or something like that. And I come back to class. I want to say this was like 2016 and I was coming out like up there, came out of a double star and was busy chatting with you, Carrie. Like I was, you and I were yapping at each other and somehow I, in my unwrapping of that double star wrap ended up in the fetal position with my left arm fully pinned against my chest by fabric. I could not move it. My other hand was behind me and I was literally just in the air. I was not at that point because the drop was done. I was only maybe like three feet off the ground, but I was completely 100% stuck. I had no way of maneuvering out of that fabric. And of course, my absolute wonderful classmates, instead of helping me, went and grabbed a camera and you literally had to like I think as you said it, you were, you were pulling fabric out of my ass between my legs to get me unstuck. Like if, if you hadn't have helped me, I was just going to have to live there. So, I mean, I've gotten a lot of people unstuck and I've never again had to get somebody unstuck like that. Like pulling yeah. scarves like out of a magician's hat, but it was out of your butt. It's great. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. And, and literally I was coming out of a double star and I have no idea how in the world I got so tangled up. Um, I have no yeah. idea as well. Um, yeah. Um, okay, Aaron, do you do you have a story? I don't know that I have one as fantastic as Lonnie's. I remember at the original studio where we met, I finally got into candy cane. I was gonna say like the we all first have a candy time. Candy. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I was it candy cane or was it music box? It's always one of those, I feel like, because I got stuck in candy cane, too, in the beginning. It might have been Music Box, and then I didn't have faith that I could come back out of it. Like, I didn't have the strength or the shoulder mobility. What I panicked and then did something weird and was totally stuck up there. And at that studio, it's not like where we are now where you have those big gymnastics things that you can roll over and somebody can just stand on it. I think somebody had to run and find a chair from the lobby and then put it on a mat. You're frowning at me like you do not remember this. No, I remember it's, I was mortified. That's not why I'm frowning. It's because I literally got somebody unstuck from a candy cane yesterday. Oh, I hate teaching candy cane. It's I well, hate I'm teaching candy cane. That it's like one of the first moves that you meet that's taught I know. to beginners. I know. I, I've but, stopped doing it, but everyone else is still doing it. I mean, I think we, I have a candy cane getting stuck. So my, one of my favorite aerial photos I've ever taken of myself ever, uh, literally right after that photo was taken, I got ethically stuck. And I think you did have to wheel, uh, Aaron, what you were saying, the big like gymnastics mat over because I had a problem. So I feel like it's, it's a rite of passage to get stuck in either candy cane or music box. I mean, I want to get rid of that rite of passage because, and also I just look like the biggest a-hole because like other students are standing around. I'm not helping. I'm just like, you got yourself in, you can get yourself out. But I recognize that it's not, it's, it can turn serious quickly. We all, we had a purple foot in one of my classes we, because somebody we did. got stuck too long. So we did. That, um, was, that, was, that was not pretty. That was epic. Yeah, it was that epic. Was, that was epic. <laughs> I think um, it makes sense to have somebody try to undo it just because we're supposed to, you know, learn how to, Learn how to get out of these. Out. 
you know, it's hard in the beginning when you don't trust your strength, right? It's just, yes. and that's always the trick is you have to stay so calm and you have to trust the strength that you have. And as a beginner, you don't have that yet. So you just go right to the panic. Right. And then if you're upside down, forget it. Oh, and if you're upside down, forget right. it. Okay. We're going to do a quick round, like right off the top of your head. Fave workout where? Athleta. Athleta. <laughs> <laughs> These guys have totally, uh, what's the word? We abandoned. Jumped, we abandoned. Jumped ship, abandoned the Lululemon ship, and they're on the athletic ship. I was ship. never on the Lululemon ship. I, I, I understand. Leggings, I know. I know, but the good thing that. is, is that while Lonnie jumps off the ship, she gives me all of her hand-me-downs, so it's awesome. Okay, uh, skill that you love. I absolutely love our um, hip key 1.0 drop sequence. Ah, my friends on the podcast, I will include a video link for that. Aaron, I like the cartwheel drop and I really like that crucifix slack drop a lot. All right. So we got videos coming your way. Skill that you hate. Any star. <laughs> really? Single ankle hangs. Ooh, single that's a ankle good one. hang. Single ankle hang. I can't because do of it. The pain because of the pain. No, it's because my cannot keep my my foot will not stay flexed to where I can tack it and let it go. Like I've tried for so many years and it does not flip and work. Um, Lonnie, weak ankle flexion, silver. But not that's two, not with two feet, only single. I don't know what the hell. I can't. I've tried. I give up. <laughs> I don't need to have it. It's fine. Skill that you love to hate. You love to hate. Skill that you hate to love. I love to hate an iron cross, but God, I freaking love it. Like when it okay. works, it's just the most freaking amazing. It's one of my favorite things to watch because it's really such a powerful shape and yeah. move. But oh my God, I hate it too because it, it's the slightest so thing. It's so difficult. If you're in the wrong position slightly, if you don't turn the right way with your shoulder, it sucks. I think the category of hate to love, love to hate would be a wheel down for almost everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. hate it. No, you don't hate it? No. What's your uh, luxurious or decadent after class snack or meal? In and out. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody who doesn't live on the West Coast is going to be like, that's not fair. Yeah. Um... I would say any Mexican food, some sort of taco, like a steak taco. God, we're really lucky here. We got really good Mexican yeah. food, too. Mm -hmm. We got the options. Yeah, mine is wine. Mine is, mine is a, specifically a red blend from Bogle because it's not that expensive either. $8.99 at Trader Joe's, everyone. <laughs> so um, love or hate Ariel on social media? <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's an easy one. I would say love it. I mean, yeah. there's so many talented people out there and it's so cool to watch everybody's different interpretation of similar um, moves. And I know where I'm at. It's not like I'm in my head going, I wish I could, you know, do that like Brett. Like that's never going to happen. <laughs> 
So it's not like I'm doing like a comparison thing. I could see where if you were trying to be a professional that maybe going down the rabbit hole of all of the aerialists and like how amazing they are, maybe you would get in your head about it. But I know where I'm at. <laughs> That's not where I'm at. So I just appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's inspiring. I think it, you know, when you start feeling weird or stagnant or whatever, it's just, it's great. And I've, I've found some of my favorite choreo combos from online um, in the last couple of years. Um, so, I mean, Carrie, when you were on mat leave and stuff, like, I mean, we were just finding some really fun stuff and just teaching ourselves. So it's a fantastic resource. Fantastic resource. I think it's only for me because I have to feed the beast so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron and I are not trying to, yeah, it's not our business. So we're not, we're not, it's not a chore for us, you know. Uh, what is, what is your, going a little serious for a second. So what does your practice give to your life? What does it mean for you? Like, what is it? It's exercise, it's mental health, like specifically for you. Like I said, I've always sort of been in love with watching circus acts and silks and stuff like that when I was a kid and going to Cirque du Soleil. And I just never thought it was attainable. Um, so for me, it was about going, holy cow, I can be stronger than I ever thought I could be. And I say that after that was me, you know, after working out with trainers for seven years in a row, and I have never found myself stronger um, than I did when I was, you know, since I started Ariel. Um, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about forgiveness about my body and what it can do and not do. And it took me, and it took me a long time to sort of even say, you know what? Sometimes it's okay. If I can't get this thing exactly the way I want, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop. It just means it's going to be different. Um, and I just love the fact that I, I really do. I, I feel so much strength. And I love the fact that there's just that I can lift my own body weight. And if I had to throw a sheet out of my window because my building's burning, I'm going to slide down that sheet like a badass and I'm going to be fine. You know, like I just, there's so much strength there. And I think it just, and, and I will say this, the absolutely beautiful group of women that came into my life as a result of this community, I just, you know, I am so incredibly grateful because, you know, these are some of my like best friends um, and a huge part of my life. So. Oh, so many things I'm trying to sit here and go, how do I make it more concise as my brain is going in all these different directions? But, um, you know, not just something I do for me. Um, moving my body is huge for my mental health. Um, but, you know, you're part of this sort of unique community, which is amazing. And I'm so grateful for. It's also, so when I was younger, I wanted to do something with music. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be on Broadway. Then as I got older, the other piece of this, so we have an aerial, it's like art, it's performance, and it's athleticism. And so I found my, desire to be an athlete later in life when I was like in college. And so this activity kind of puts those things together in a unique way. Um, and I think that it's good for people to have something that isn't, that's cha it's challenging for them. You know, it's, I set a goal, 
the goal is not always easily attainable, um, but you know you're working towards something and pushing yourself. And I appreciate that about Ariel a lot. If you were to give any advice to people out there who are not yet doing Ariel or who have just started, and they're like you guys, they have regular jobs and families and everything. What would you, if you have any piece of advice? Go easy on yourself. Oh, that was a good one. People never like to do that. Um, I will say yes, besides that, and it takes time. But the other thing is, it's not like yoga or dance or other forms where you can step away weeks at a time. You've, you know, when you do it, where you will see the strength is you need to do it at least once a week. Um, any less than that, especially in the beginning, it's very hard to build up that consistent strength. So commit to the time at least once a week. Yeah. It's like we talked about before. It's not movements that you're doing really in any other activity. So if you can't go for two weeks, you're not doing those movements. And so you're losing the muscle memory. You're, you know, it takes a little bit to come back. Yeah. You know, especially as a new person. This this question I've been trying to figure out for a while, and you can tell me what your thoughts are. So, basically, what I've seen is that when my students, my adult students, get an injury or something takes them out for weeks or months, the emotional process is it can be a lot. And and what I've recognized is that it's sometimes a lot of times. I want to say 90% of the time, much more than um, how I experience it now. Like right now, my right shoulder is injured a little bit. Um, And I think you guys have been in it long enough to maybe get to that point. Is it just that I've surrendered that it's like this sometimes? Is that what it is? And I've had time to have those freakouts or is it different? Sorry. No, you're fine. You've also had a significant injury and come back from it. And so maybe part of it is, you know what you can do and you have faith in your body that it's going to resolve. Whereas somebody who hasn't had that experience or is not a natural athlete or whatever it is, you know, the healing process is slow. And so then if you don't have the faith that you're going to come back from it, you know, every rough class, you know, you're sitting there going, like, am I really going to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Aaron, you and I both have had like injuries, you know what I mean? You, you had one, I had one in 2017. And when my injury hit, I, I made the biggest mistake of, I don't want to not train. I won't be able to come back from it. And that's why I didn't let my body heal because I was so afraid. And then it got so bad that I just, I had to stop because I was making everything worse. Um, And so I think after I went through that experience, it helped me realize that, yeah, I mean, you can't, because really we've all now come back. I've come back a couple of times now. We went into lockdown and then we came out of that, right? And most of, you know, most of us came out back from scratch, not from scratch totally, because we, you know, we have muscle memory. We knew where to go with our bodies, but we had to build up the strength again. And then I left town again for six months last year and had to build back up again. Right. So I like in the last two years, I've had to build back twice, but I'm a lot 
calmer about it now because of my experience from my injury and going, I know what I can do. I also obsessively watch my old videos. <laughs> so I'm going, I know I can do this shit. Like I just need time and practice and patience. Yeah, maybe you guys are right. Maybe, maybe it's that people, you know, are having that moment where they don't know if they have it in them to do all those first steps again. I feel like, you know, if you have more years under your belt, then you're more invested. You have more faith that you have that strength in you. I know with my injury, there was a lot of people around me that were sort of like, well, you know, like chances are you're not going to come back from that. Like you're coming up on 40, like you're not going to heal, like you're not going to be back to where you were. And so I think depending on your personality and depending on how long you've done it, like if it were early on in my aerial, you know, practice, I might have taken in more of that feedback from people that were like, are you sure you want to do that again? And, you know, chances are you're not going to be back to normal, you know, and it would have made more of an impact, but I had been doing it for seven years and was like, no, like I can't even imagine not having it. So that's not an option. But if it was like year two, I probably would have emotionally handled it differently. And, you know, it wasn't easy. It's so defeating. Like, that's just somebody else's projection on top of people. Like, I, I hate that. When I hear that other people are telling normal other people, like, well, you're not going to be back to it. Like, why would you say that to anybody? I, I don't understand that. I get that it comes from, and that was one of my other questions that I hadn't gotten to yet. Um, how does your, how do your friends and family see you in this, in this hobby? Um, what are the comments that you've gotten uh, how do you take it? How does it affect you? You know, because I feel like it's like, besides that, it has this very specific danger element, even to, you know, to a bystander. Um, that response has to be very interesting coming from your muggle friends and family. I'm pretty emphatic when people, when I get the comment of, oh, well, that's so dangerous because my res- I have played four different sports a year growing up. I was a runt of a kid on a soccer field and the, the, like the brunt force that I took from doing soccer. Um, there was a girl on my softball team who took a line drive to the face, shattered her nose and her cheek. So when people are like, aerial's dangerous, I'm, I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Anytime you're doing something active, there is a chance that you are going to get hurt. And it really goes back into like, are you with a teacher who's safe? Do you have a mat under you? Are you paying attention? Are you looking at your body awareness? Because aerial is a very safe thing to do. It's not any more dangerous than playing softball. Um, You know, it's just about, are you being safe? Again, you can get whacked with a bat, you know what I mean? All of a sudden. So there is no difference. So when, when people sort of come at me with that, I get really fired up. Because I've, I've experienced and I've seen a lot in many, many other sports that no, nobody would ever be like, soccer is dangerous. You'd never hear that. And I've gotten so hurt from, from playing it. So, Yeah, in the, before the injury, the reaction was more like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Like that's amazing. It was more positive 
the stuff that I was hearing about that's dangerous, that's unsafe. Are you sure you want to do it? Was more after I got hurt. And interesting that it wasn't just people who were close to me that were invested in my safety. You know, it's like people at work that I'm not that close to would even go, well, you're never going to do that again. Right. And I'm like, no, I am. You know, just feeling like it's okay to comment. It's, it was sort of bizarre. But in general, before I got hurt, there wasn't a lot of negativity about it. Um, If anything, people were sort of like, oh, how do you even get into that? Like, how do you, have you been doing that your whole life? It's like, no, (laughs) I've not been doing that my whole life. Um, It was really just post-injury where people were like projecting their fear, right? Like they're thinking about how would I feel if it was me, you know, and assuming that I fell from this great height and land, hit the floor, you know, like these sort of extreme ideas of what had happened, even when I described it, like their brains went to like worst case scenario, like what their fears are, you know, as opposed to the reality of it. You know, it's interesting too, because your injury, your patellar, uh, dislocation that can happen if you like young basketball players Mm -hmm. especially female coming down on a foot and they don't have really great great strength through their leg and through their glutes and it can happen very easily right you can step out of a car same thing so i think that yeah we're just at the whim of people's assumptions most it's such a unique activity to do. I feel yeah, like right. so many people don't do it. So they jump to the, to the extreme opinion, like Aaron said, because they just don't relate to anything that we're doing. So they can't picture it, you know, and they can't picture it. Right. They don't yeah. understand the mechanics of it. Um, so, you know, they just, they, it's ignorance is really all it is. Okay. Last question. Uh, what are you either looking forward to or excited to do in your practice? Like, what are you excited about in your practice for the next um, year, year or so? Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about the routines that we've learned, like trying to remember them and things like that. Cause I had heard black and golds on Spotify mm. that one day and was mm-hmm. like, Oh, black and gold. And then we had gone through it in class. And so since then, I've been thinking a lot about like routines and how long it's been since we've had those full routines. So maybe that's something that's sort of on my mind. Okay. Revisiting choreography and finding, yeah. finding how it feels on you now years later. Right. Um, yeah. I love it. Uh, long that endurance, you know, yeah, endurance training. I think um, just the fact that I went on a pretty aggressive dance journey in addition to aerial um, in the last couple of years and finding that, that other side to myself um, because I've been a performer for a long time and I I've always tried to bring that to all my aerial routines. But I think trying to also bring some of the aspects of dance that I've been learning, you know, how, how do you create better transitions in aerial, right? Not just going from move to move, but how do we make every aspect part of it, um, part of the performance? Lonnie, what do you think like regular dance, like on the ground class has brought to your practice? Um, how do you think, how do you think it's changed it? It will hopefully just ignite a bunch of new creative ideas about, again, just how to, 
how to move in the air, right? Like my before, you know, a lot of the times, and I think you and I would talk about this, I'd have a routine, like I would just throw an arm out, right? Of, oh, let's just extend an arm. That's a nice little dancer move. And like, that's where I would, that's kind of always what I come up with as opposed to really listening to certain aspects of the music and bringing a little bit more in different movement um, in it. Um, my dance teacher is just really, really, he's got a, he's got a really wide array of music and styles that he brings. And so trying to hopefully incorporate some of just in between elements, you know what I mean? Detail. I think maybe that's it. Just detail. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't think I've been doing it yet successfully, but I'd, I'd like to, that that's a goal of mine. I love it. Um, ladies, thanks for coming up on the roundup. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are going to relate to you guys because there's plenty of yous out there doing this as a, I call you guys advanced hobbyists and, um, you know, you have jobs, make lots more money than me. (laughs) Hopefully not forever. I hope you guys keep on making a lot of money. You guys know what I mean. Uh, (laughs) But thank you for being on the podcast and, uh, and Aaron two times. We're a repeat offender. Uh, Oh, and so is the bean. All right, guys. Uh, All right, Lonnie and Aaron, thank you so much for popping and joining me and sharing uh, your experience of Ariel. Uh, my friends, my listeners, uh, go to the show notes. I've got lots of resources on my website, including a free video series coming out to inboxes this week, uh, all for those coming back to their practice after a break for many reasons, injury, pregnancy, surgery, etc. And then I have a full comprehensive Ariel Silks intermediate beginner to intermediate course on there and uh, a free mini course if you want to just check out my teaching style. All right, guys, please honor me with the five star rating and review anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, have a wonderful week. I'll see you guys next time. Signing off. This is Expecting Ariel.